Amen, amen, amen. Some of you may be wondering about today. Today is Christ the King Sunday on the church calendar. And we're not the only ones celebrating, which is amazing and wonderful to me. So why don't we join our hearts together and pray? Holy God, we give you thanks and praise that you are glorified on this day in churches around the world. Lord, we pray that in this time, you above all are lifted high. Above all, Lord, above everything, you lifted high. That's what we want to see. And Lord, I pray for this message that I have here, that you are glorified in it, and if not, Lord, blow it up. Your will be done above all, through all, and in all. In Jesus' glorious name, amen. Okay, so Thanksgiving is done, right? Black Friday's done. We have Cyber Monday to look forward to. And, well, decorating for Christmas, getting the packages wrapped, and... Ooh, okay. So what does praise, glory, and honor look like in the midst of all of this? Really. I mean, what does it look like? What does all of this praise, glory, and honor to the King of Kings look like in the middle of this. Our Lord and Savior is who we're talking about here. This is the last day of the church calendar, Christ the King Sunday. Next Sunday, we start the first day of the church calendar, Advent. So this is the time we start going, okay, how do we praise him? How do we really do it? Now, we all have our tripping points. You know, I started looking and going, What do we treasure? And I went, okay, Lord, what do I treasure? You know what I treasure? I treasure time with my family. It's very important to me. To the point that when I know I have a child in the room underneath where I sit and pray and do all of my time, I won't step on that floor in the morning so I don't disturb him because I don't see him that often. So my time with Jesus is cut short. So I know that, that my children, my family, are a tripping point for me. I know that, and I have to deal with that. And then, like Peter, I hear the cock crow and go, oh, yeah, I know where my treasure lies now, don't I? So where does our time go? I mean, where do we spend? Where do you spend your time and effort? Where are your treasures lying in this time? Again, please understand that the calling of someone who stands up here to preach is they first have to preach this message to themselves because if we can't buy into it, there's no way we can tell you about it. Because if we know that we have our own issues, it gives us that ability to go, hey, I am a sinner in need of a savior. I am in need of the King of Kings. So I admit that I need help with this, that he has to be the one to come up and go, it's okay, I saw you trip that time, let me pick you up, dust you off, and go at it again. You see, we have to look for the glory of God in our passages. We have to look for where Jesus is being lifted high for everyone to see. In the scriptures, we have to look for it. 
Now, some of you, how many of you remember the doxology that used to be done years and years ago? You know, yes, yes, okay. Next service won't remember as much. <laughs> the first part of that word is a Greek word, doxa. Doxa, say it with me, doxa. There you go. It means glory. Do doxology is literally the study of glory. Every time we sang it, we were doing a study of what glory looks like. I just think that's amazing. Now, when I looked up doxa on Google, I already knew what doxa meant, but I wanted to see what Google said. I loved it. So listen to this. They described it as the glory of God is external elegance of the internal excellencies of God. Is that not gorgeous? The external elegance of the internal excellencies of God. If AI did it, that's one of the few things they've gotten right. But that's just this fancy way of saying that God, when he goes public with his stuff, his beauty is seen. His glory is seen. And God really showed off his glory in his son. He really did. Jesus Christ is the epitome of God's glory for everyone to see. Everyone. And Christ the King Sunday is the perfect time for looking where glory is surrounding our King of Kings. It's amazing. Again, think about it. There are churches all around this country right now that are talking about Jesus Christ as King of Kings. And denominations don't matter. But think about that. I feel sorry for those churches that don't do this. That don't go, oh, let's take a moment and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is King of Kings. Now, in the middle of that, you have to go, but what does that really mean? Okay? We as humans think of kings in a particular way. Because kings live in our time. And we go, okay. We see human kings, not the king of kings. Because what human king is literally going to die for their people? Think about it. Only one did, and he's the king of kings. Jesus Christ knew his purpose was to come and die for our sins. To claim us as his own with his blood. That's what Jesus did for us. He came for us in this amazing way. And it just boggles our minds. Now, I started thinking, what kind of scripture can I get to even come close to describing what glory looks like surrounding our Savior, Jesus Christ? The only thing I could come up with was the heavenly worship that's listed in Revelation 4, verses 1 through 11. Now, some of you like to see the words, and I don't know if the words are up here. They are. But some of you like to read them. But if you're like me and you have to go to your mind's eye and imagine what it looks like, close your eyes and listen. Please don't fall asleep on me, because I will call you out. Okay? <laughs> so, close your eyes and just listen to the words. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard, 
like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like jasper stone and sardisius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting in clothed in white garments and golden crowns upon their head. Out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And then the center and around the throne four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, the second creature like a calf, and the third creature had a face like that of a man. And the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease, saying, Holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. Today we find ourselves standing in the throne room for worship, heaven style. Now this is not like any earthly throne room we can imagine. Our words fall short of God. We're finite beings worshiping an infinite God. One that is truly full of doxa. And that's what John is writing about here. And according to history, this image from the book of Revelation is from the mind of John, one of the 12 original disciples. You know, John, the beloved one, the one that while Jesus was at the cross, Jesus looked at his mother Mary and said, Woman, behold your son. And then he looked at John and said, Son, behold your mother. And at that point, John became Mary's son. And this is also the same John who basically raced Peter to the tomb. From John 20, it says, both were running, but the other disciple, now remember, this is from the book of John, the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. 
Okay, this is John the Beloved, and he calls himself that, okay? Jesus didn't call him that. It's John going, I am the Beloved One. This is who we attribute to writing the book of Revelation. Now, I have to say, when I thought of all of this, I thought about Easter and the stone rolling away. Can you imagine what the throne room looked like when the stone was rolled away and they discovered he was gone? Can you imagine what was going on? The loud thunder just increasing and glory just increasing probably outrageously compared to what's there all the time. Because the Son of God and Son of Man walked out of that tomb. He defeated Satan once and for all, didn't he? I know right now we go, did he? But really, the battle's been, the war has been won. That's what we need to start saying. The war has been won, but some battles continue to rage on. They just do. You see, Jesus Christ did defeat Satan once and for all. And we just have those weird skirmishes that we have to continue contend with on a regular basis, it seems. But death has been, de been defeated and eternal life is available to all who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is our Savior, our Redeemer, our King of kings, above all, through all, and in all. That's what he is. And that's what we repeat every communion Sunday when we say the last line of the Lord's Prayer, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The throne room is God's house. It's where he lives. With Jesus Christ sitting at his right hand. It's the space we should all long to be in. To pause for a moment. I can tell you that as I started pondering all of this last week, I had a few moments where I could almost hear God going, breathe in my breath and breathe out your worries. I'm here. And I would do that and the feeling in the room was amazing. And then someone would walk in my door <laughs> and I'd go, oh, back on the job. There are times that we're called to worship with our breathing on a regular basis. You know, that's what worship should be. Not just in this room, this one hour, well, maybe a little bit more with me, but this one hour a week. It's where we're supposed to be out there in our cars. Can I tell you some of my best worship moments have been in my car? Now, I've got news for you. Driving in New Jersey, that is testing, okay? <laughs> Idaho and Oklahoma, that was easy. But driving here is a lot like driving in Massachusetts. But God is still God. Jesus Christ is still Jesus Christ. You see, in Revelation 4, we get this glimpse of what happens when we do choose to abide in God. He describes this in such an eye-opening way. And it's the throne of God we're talking about. We don't talk about it enough. That God is sitting 
and judging and all this. This is where the beginning and the end of all things is. In that throne room. This is the Alpha and the Omega of all time. God is not defined by our time. That's why in scripture they give him a whole nother word. Kairos. That's God time. Kronos. That's our time. God is amazing. And it's funny because there are people who go, you know, that Revelation book, mm, 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 mm. I don't want to know anything about it. I don't want to touch it. It's too weird for me. It's too hard for me to understand. Oh, please don't do that. <laughs> please dig into the Revelation, the book of Revelation, because I've got news for you. On one level, it is there to show us about the glory of Christ. And just who he is and what he did, what he's doing, and what he will continue to do in this life. It shows us why he came to earth. And his plans for the body of Christ. The church. And not just this church, but the church. The bride of Christ. And this is the scene of him being raised to glory. You see, when Revelation speaks about heaven, it does not give us a picture of what heaven will look like with the human eye. We can't even fathom it. It's that amazing. It conveys something about the nature of God and his relationship with creation. Now, please remember this. Now, I've told you Scripture interprets Scripture, but also remember that Scripture tells us why things. Science answers how, but Scripture answers the question, why? Why? And we learn primarily four things in the book of Revelation. One, Heaven is the full and complete expression of God's kingdom. It's the place where God lives. It is the city of God. And two, heaven is God's judgment seat. We don't like to talk about that part, but it is. It is his judgment seat, the place where he dispenses judgment against sinners. And three, heaven is full of God's presence and overwhelming glory. Four, heaven, because of God's power and holiness, is a place of worship. Worship and praise 24-7 or Kairos time never ends. In this passage, God is compared to jewels because our human language really does not have any other word to compare it. None. We can't adequately describe the splendor of God. Our images just don't come close. We're finite. We have a beginning and an end. God is infinite. He does not. That understanding is what the 24 elders knew. 
They're there, they know that they're there to worship God. Now what you need to know is there are people who say that out of the who the elders are, the 24 elders, there are 12 that represent the tribes of Israel. And there are another 12 that represent the original disciples and thus the church, the New Testament. It really doesn't matter who they are. Not really. It's their reaction before Almighty God that's what, what matters. Because in this passage, they literally fall on their knees, take their crowns off, and lay them before the Lord. They have nothing else to give but their worship and their crowns. So they give him everything. Everything. And the four living creatures, and I can't even imagine what these things look like with eyes all over them and six wings flying around. And they are constantly singing all the time. All the time. This is just a glimpse of what it looks like in heaven for our triune God. It's amazing and humbling to think of that when we come in here to worship him, we're joining in their voices. I mean, think about it. What can we do for heaven to lean in and go, yeah, they're my people. They're worshiping. They know, they understand that it's about our triune God. 24-7. Now, there are moments that we have in our life that affect us. And we remember constantly, wow, that was an incredible time. One of mine happened about 10 years ago at a place called the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. The Holy Spirit gave me a teeny tiny glimpse of what it means to worship with my whole heart, mind, body, and soul. Because you see, at the House, International House of Prayer, or their other name is IHOPKC, they worship 24-7. And I, I'm serious, it doesn't stop. They have prayer rooms that go 24-7 and there's somebody playing a guitar, playing a keyboard, 24-7. I was given the opportunity to go to what they call the night watch, which is midnight to 6 a.m. And it was amazing. Parents with babies crawling on the ground, walking and reading scripture. Some on the floor before the Lord, praying, worshiping, singing. Can you imagine? 24-7. And they do it. I mean, I've watched the musicians trade out. Okay? What they wind up doing is whoever the leader was keeps playing either the guitar or the piano and then all of a sudden another guitarist or another pianist comes in and there's another one sitting next to them and they just start going 
And then the other one walks off, and then before you know it, a drummer comes in, another guitarist, and another bassist, and all of a sudden you have a full band, and you're going, if you've been praying, you look up and go, wait a minute, when did that happen? Seamless is what they do at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Now, what some of you know, not, not many of you, is my husband and I were worship leaders before, um, in another life before we went off to seminary to become pastors. And one day I stumbled upon this amazing story about an amazing song. Um, anybody know the heart of worship? It is an amazing song. Matt Redman, in an interview, said... I don't want to misquote him. So he talks about how this song came to be. He said, there was a dynamic missing. So the pastor did a pretty brave thing, he recalls. This is in the article. Now, I happen to know that in another article he said, I was really ticked when the pastor went, we're not doing the soundboard, we're not doing the band. He did. He, he canceled the band for two months. And Matt Redman was not happy. But this is what he says in the article. He decided to get rid of the sound system in the band for a season. And we gathered together with just our voices. His point was that we had lost our way in worship. And the way to get back to the heart would be to strip everything away. You see, reminding his church family to be producers in worship instead of consumers in worship is what the pastor Mike Pilava, I knew I was going to mess this up. Pilavachi asked, he would say, when you come through the doors on Sunday, what are you bringing as your offering to God? Because people, it's, it's more than just money. What are you offering? When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come. What do you have? Because you see, it's about him, our king of kings. It's not about us. And I got news for you. If we screw up, if we don't have a good sounding voice, if we can't play an instrument, God really doesn't care because he made you. He knows what you sound like and he wants to hear it. It's what hallelujah means. Praise the Lord. By the way, a little teaching moment. Anytime you see Yah. J-A-H at the end of something, that's God's name. So the Alleluia is praise God. Praise God. And when we refuse to sing a song, because, well, I don't like that song. And believe me, I've been in churches where they've done it. And we, we go, well, that's not the way we've always done it. It does more to your relationship with Jesus Christ than it does to the body. I mean, sure, we get to hear people complain, but it's really about your relationship with Jesus. I mean, can I ask a question? Let's see if you can answer it. Who's the song for in the first place? Come on. Thank you. Thank you. This is not our worship service. This is not about me standing here. God can stick anybody here. He can stick a child up here to do this when he fills them with his word and his heart. 
This is who we came to worship this morning. If you came for other reasons, you may need to take a long look at yourself and your motives for why you're here. Authentic worship is for one. One. One true king. That's what people out there are looking for. Not the latest program, not the latest song. They're looking for authentic worship that we believe what we say and that we're living it. That's what they're looking for. They want us to show them Christ. And if we don't actually believe what we say, if we don't live what we say, if we don't walk the talk, they don't want to hear from us. They just don't. And I've got news for you. We've done it for too long where we've just talked the talk. And please, please, please understand I said we. I throw myself in there. You need to understand that no matter what Liquid Church does, whatever Renaissance does, yes, those are the two churches that I keep hearing about. It doesn't matter. We can't be them. We're not supposed to be them. Renaissance is not supposed to be liquid, and liquid's not supposed to be Renaissance. God created us all different on purpose. On purpose. And it doesn't matter what they do, and it doesn't matter if the angry people leave. We don't want to get the angry people back. Okay? We don't. Believe me, God's not in the angry people. Okay? It's about him. And when we get our minds wrapped around that, and God says, I want your heart. Will you yield your heart to me? Because when you yield your heart to me, I can cleanse it of everything, all the junk that's gotten in, all the crap you've heard and I can make you whole and I can transform you for my purposes not the world's purposes and when that happens what we see in here and in here happens out there and people see a difference and they start to go oh people who have seen you all the time go oh my gosh what is going on with you I want some of what you've got I've seen it happen. I know it happens. When I was in Kansas City, I got to go to a worship service. And I got news for you. Back then, that was 10 years ago. I was 51. Do the math. Anyway, (laughs) I, at 51, was in the minority. The average age in that room was about 25. I met a young man named Nathan from Australia. And we started talking. He was 21 years old. He said, there's something powerful going on in my church, and I wanted to come here and see what what it was so that I could learn about it and take it back to the church. 21. We prayed together. We talked. I pray for him still. Granted, now he's about 31. God is not done with his kingdom. He's not. 
Now, one of the things you need to know is after I had that miraculous week of just being with God and studying his word and talking with others about who God was and what God was doing, I went home. (laughs) Back to Pennsylvania, where people wanted their way in my home and worship at work, in meetings, and a sadness began to take over. I went to a Presbytery meeting, and we did a really old song, and I do mean really old because I was probably three at the time, called Get Together. Anybody know Get Together? Come on, people now, smile on your brother. Yeah, okay, you know it. We did that as a worship song in a Presbytery meeting. Nothing about God. Absolutely nothing about the glory of God. It was the start of the beginning of a very long and tedious meeting. Total business. Nothing about seeking God's will for his church. Nothing. The speaker even said that, oh, how was it he put it? Oh, I can't remember what he said. Oh, this is it. The speaker, the message we heard said, it seemed to attempt just to keep people in the presbytery. That was the goal, keep people in the presbytery. And that the spirit speaks through our will, not his will, our will. And I don't know about you, But I don't think that's a wise idea. God doesn't speak to me through my will. I mean, he has, but it wasn't good. (laughs) We're supposed to worship God, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, our triune God, King of Kings, here at New Providence Presbyterian Church, Jesus Christ is reaching out his hand going, I know the way, the truth, and the life. I'm it. Take my hand. Let's go. But sometimes we go, okay, we can do that. Can I pencil you in around 2 2 p.m. on Thursday, Lord? And he goes, oh, no. I want it now. 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 Can you follow me? Can you trust me? What's it going to be? Do we believe what we say? Do we believe that Jesus Christ is the king of kings above all, through all, and in all? He is what we need. He's the only thing that can grow this church. In a time where churches across the nation are not growing. It's only a few. Only a few. God wants us to follow him. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Follow him. Get on our knees and go, God, I'm messing up. I can't get this. I'm not sure what's going on. He goes, that's okay. Remember, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you for his light. Because when we take his yoke upon us, there is peace, there is joy, there is love, and we see things differently. We have hope for the future. 
And we're not worried about it because we know who holds it in his hands. The one who named the stars holds all of it in his hands. Now remember how I told you about heaven being the throne room and everything and it's got four things of what heaven is with God. I'll remind you. Heaven is the full and complete expression of God's kingdom. Actually, Jesus Christ is the full and complete expression of God's kingdom. He showed us what to do here on earth. We have his stories. And two, heaven is God's judgment seat, right? Okay, the place where he dispenses judgment against sinners. Guess who sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty? From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Apostles' Creed, yeah, I remember it occasionally. Yes, guess who sits there? Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is there interceding for us. He is our attorney as God sits as judge. He is the one who watches out for us. When we go, okay, Lord, I messed up. I'm so sorry. But we have to confess that. Do you know that in confession, that's when revival breaks out. When we admit who we are and who he is, revival breaks out. Historically, over and over and over again, you see where people are in fetal positions on the ground going, God, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. And then a few days later, they are up going, God is good, no matter what. And revival breaks out. It does. Three, heaven is full of God's presence and overwhelming glory. Jesus Christ is the fullness of God's presence that walked the face of this earth. And he is the overwhelming glory. And of course, four, heaven, because of God's power and holiness, is a place of worship and praise. When we think about Jesus... I mean, really, really set our hearts and minds on him. Worship breaks out. There's not much we can do. Then we can sing with the 24 elders without a doubt. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is he. Sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of kings. You are my everything. And I will adore you. Worship is the heart of the matter. Because it's a matter of the heart. Who owns your heart? What owns your heart? What do you worship? The King of Kings, Jesus Christ? Or something or someone else. Let us pray. Holy God, you are 
everything we need and more. And you are amazing. Help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. And whatever that means, Lord, to glorify you always. In Jesus' glorious name we pray. Amen.